Last episode, I started you with a story, and I thought it was kind of fun, and so I'm going to keep this going. So we're going to do a little story, and then we're going to jump into reset. So I want to take you back just a little bit into like the life of my computer. Everybody has a computer story, right? How you started, what got you going, the computers that guided you to the profession that you are in or the the level of hobbyist you are or home enthusiast you are. There's always a computer story behind that, right? In my case, there are several, but I want to pick out one in particular that I just, I think is interesting. I tell people every once in a while, someone asks, you know, what was your first computer? What'd you do? You know, all this stuff, what shaped you? So I was shaped early on by all the old stuff, right? The Commodore Pets, the VIC-20s, the Apple IIe's, uh, TI-499A, which I still have, uh, VIC-20, which I still have, all of those things. Uh, trash, uh, TRS-80, trash, I almost said Trash-80, didn't I? All those computers guided my future. I either owned them or was given one of them, but I never purchased it, right? Like earned the money, purchased the computer, used tons of them, school and at home. But this story is about my first purchase, my first purchase. So I want to take you back to think, oh, what is this? It's early 90s. Do you remember the big, thick computer shopper magazines? I mean, they were larger, taller than a magazine, right? They were much taller and they were two inches thick. Maybe an inch and a half, but I mean, easy, an inch and a half thick, full of ads on computers and makers. And it was just, it was wonderful to me. It was a playground to me. Every single page I just absolutely loved. Now, I was in the service and I was overseas. So I didn't have like These weren't readily available to me. I could go buy computer stuff, but it would all be in Japanese, and uh, that was not any fun to me. So I would beg folks to uh, mail me stuff, right? This was early 90s. You you didn't email. You waited in line uh, at a payphone to call your family. There was no cell phones, of course. And I would always sucker someone in. I'd have to go down the row of all my friends. Hey, dude, mail me a magazine. And they're thinking, oh, magazine, no big deal. Sports Illustrated, you know, something kind of magazine-y. And I'd be like, what's the name? Computer Shopper. (laughs) And then they get it and then they mail it to me like, dude, you owe me $12 for postage Um, because they're so big and heavy. But I lived in this magazine just day in and day out, memorizing all of everything in it and contemplating my first purchase when I get out of the service, when I get home on native soil, I'm going to purchase a computer. I had been saving money for years, honestly. It was uh, Desert Storm. I was making a lot of bling, making a lot of money. I was buying stuff still. I was still living, but I was still, I was saving tons of money. I was honestly saving for college. And, but I knew I wanted a computer and I knew I wanted to do kind of something with the computer. Wow, we're four minutes in, and this is gonna. This might take. This might be the podcast. My computer story. Um. So 
friends of mine were buying computers overseas, and you could get them at the uh, the exchange. You could go in, just order a computer. Sometimes they had them in stock. Sometimes they would have to, you know, make it and ship it to you. And I remember a guy in my shop bought an Acer, this white plastic Acer. It was a three eighty six. I don't remember the the processor speed, but I do remember it being a three eighty six. And I'm just I'm just flabbergasted at why this guy would buy a 386 when the new 486s were out. You know, hello foreshadowing to my world of computing today where a new phone comes out and I have to have the new one. I can't get the old one. But I was like, dude, why did you buy the 386? You know, it's not the latest and greatest. He's like, what he could afford, right? He's like, this is what I could afford. It does what I need to do. And he set it up in the, on a, a table in the shop and everybody was kind of open to it and uh, everybody would kind of watch he play a game or something do th- little things with it and I remember I, I would ask him I said dude I'm gonna go buy a box of floppies can I format my floppies on your computer <laughs> he was honestly worried about me wearing out his floppy drive formatting a box of 20 or a box of 25 but I wanted to be ready I when I got when I got separated from the service, I wanted to be ready with my box of floppies pre-formatted and ready to do whatever it is I thought I was going to need to do with that box of formatted floppies. I have no clue. Uh, yes, back then they didn't come pre-formatted. You bought them, you would have to format them in your drive. So, you know, long story short, I never ordered anything from the computer shopper. I mean, this is a back, all these companies are gone. Most of these companies are gone. Um, I remember just, just a few, I mean, of course, Gateway, Gateway computers had the huge ad inside of it and uh, the cow boxes. And I remember a couple of other, you know, California companies. I remember one, I don't know why this one sticks out, but I think because I was almost ready to purchase from this company called like Swan Computers or something like that. But you just think up of a name, you know, Atomic Computers. Every It was page after page after page of just computer deals. You know, think of a list of a computer, 486, uh, DX2, 66, 4 gigs of RAM, 200 gig or 200 meg hard drive. You know, just that was configuration one and monitors and, you know, all this stuff. It was nonstop. So what I did is I separated from the service. Uh, that, that's a story in itself. I uh, went to Treasure Island, San Francisco. That took a week. Had a good time out there playing around, and I was ready. You know, I never, like, I was on my own for for a couple of days. I never went to a store and, like, searched out computers. I don't know why. I had this, I had the thought in my head, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get my flight home. I got home. It was a red eye, and I'm going to go buy it right then and there. I'm just going to buy it. I want it now. I don't want to wait. It'll be a little bit more, but I don't want to wait. And um, so I knew I knew the prices of these computers. I knew them by heart, right, what each one costs. And then I went, I did my flight. I got home, got home to Texas. It was a red eye. So I arrived, I left at like, you know, it, midnight and then arrived in the morning and then waited for my local Best Buy 
to open up. I don't know if I've ever been in this store before. Walked into the Best Buy, purchased my computer with my money, my cash, my money that I've been saving all this time, and got my computer and drove it home. So it was a Compaq, C-O-M-P-A-Q. You guys remember Compaq back in the days. It was this small form factor. It was a little baby thin sandwich. It wasn't the towers. It wasn't the gateway kind of stuff. And I remember back during this time, Best Buy sold Dell computers. I almost bought a Dell. And I I almost aborted the whole thing and then called into Gateway Computers and got a Gateway. I could have got the DX if I would have done the Gateway Computer. But what I came home with was a 486 SX25. I couldn't quite afford the DX33. I definitely couldn't afford the DX266. We were pushing the amount of money I could afford. So four megs of RAM. Upgradable, by the way. It had a 170 meg hard drive. I remember that just vividly. And I bought the 14-inch color monitor with my car. It was a compact as well, color monitor. Got my big boxes, threw them in the car, and drove home. It was the sum total. It, it was 19 $1,519. I remember that. I don't remember the cents. I think it was 66 cents. I wish I still had the receipt. I would love to know. But I remember that to this day, I took it home and within the first, I would say 24 hours, I had it broken. That that was just who I was. I had it broken. It would not boot. <laughs> was, this is Windows 3.1. So what I actually did is, it, I think it came with Windows 3. No, wait. It, it came with Windows 3.1, and it had DOS 5. And at that time, you could buy DOS 6 and upgrade it if you wanted to. Why I thought I needed to upgrade DOS, I do not know. I Don't ask me, but I did. I bought the DOS upgrade, and I upgraded to... DOS 6, and I broke it. It would not boot. Actually, it would boot. It would not start Windows. But to me, back then, it was broken. I had I had no idea what I was doing. It didn't make backups. Didn't do anything. Didn't do the little floppy disk backup program. I couldn't do any restores. I was dead in the water. I did not know how uh, Windows would could start at this point. So... Dig around in the paperwork that comes with the computer. Call Compaq. They said, well, you didn't make a backup of the floppies. You need the floppies. So you've got to buy the floppies from us, and it this will fix your computer. I'm like, okay, that really sucks. But I, I'm stuck. I'll, I'll do that. Bought the floppies. I remember it was quite expensive, and to get them shipped to me, it was going to be days of downtime. So I did that, gave him the visa, bought the floppies. Thank you, Mr. McCabe. Well, your floppies will be there in, you know, 10 days or something. And then I was pissed off, and I started digging around. And it was something in one of the config files, like the autoexec.bat or the config.sys. Now, this is, not, this is a time where 
you couldn't open an encyclopedia and figure out how to fix your Windows 3.1 boot process. Nope. You couldn't, you couldn't Google it. Um, we were a little ways from that. So I dig around. I figure out what was going on, and I get Windows to boot. I got it to boot. I started the floppy backup program, and I called Compact back. I said, cancel my order of backup floppies. I no longer need them. I am one bad-to-the-bone computer fixer right now. I knew I was going to enroll in the local college, the local university, and do my studies, but I did not know what I was going to be when I grew up. So I went, it was that week, drove to the drove to the university, got enrolled, and picked out computer science courses at that point. So that is my computer story. Let's get on to Reset. This is Reset and can be found at McCabe.io. I'll be talking about anything that plugs in or takes batteries, mostly home automation, networking, home storage, and I'll be bringing some friends along. Reset was inspired by a bent paperclip that's sat on my desk for years. It reminds me that no matter how much we mess something up, there's usually a reset button. Let's get started. And welcome back to Reset, everybody. I'm your host, David McCabe. Follow me at Twitter, McCabe.io. I hope you enjoyed that uh, long-winded intro. I don't know. That was fun. Maybe we should put something in the forums, resetforums.com, and let you tell me your computer story. I would love to read those. And maybe we could read some here on the podcast. I think that would be really cool to kind of think back and um, and kind of reminisce. Yes, I know I'm an old fogey. Yeah, but I'm probably not as old as some of you listening, and I'm sure you have some real cool stories. That was mine. That was my first purchase. It was awesome. I've got a, tons more stories about, you know, like the first experience, like someone sitting you down at one and doing some cool stuff with it. Just, it was a good times back in. A little hint of the next story that Best Buy that I purchased the computer from, I would end up working at six months later but that will be in a future reset so be sure to subscribe share tune in hey, share it that would be cool share it facebook and, and all that kind of stuff i would appreciate that a lot it's going to be a short show i'm going to talk about um, let's start with uh, my black friday experience do you do you buy for yourself during black friday because i'm thinking that's what it's for right it's for me I want to buy Michael stuff. So that's what I did. Okay, so let's think back here. The CFO has officially granted me permission, although I don't think she remembers because she hasn't seen the bill, to purchase the Amazon Recast DVR. So I bought the Recast DVR, the four-channel, four-tuner, and I bought the Fire TV Cube 4K TV Cube, something like that. It's the one that you can yell at and have it change channels for you and stuff like that. So I got that from a listener of the show, Tony, who said that that is a cool box. He likes it and it works okay for him. So I thought, I'm going to try that one instead of buying a stick. I have 
a first-generation stick that we will try to use on another TV. But I can imagine if this works out, I'm going to buy some of the newer, probably faster, more efficient 4K uh, sticks. I didn't buy any right now because I'm just not sure if I'm going to keep that. So we're going to go from Plex to the Recast. And I know Recast has some shortcomings, and I'm hoping that it's going to be worked on. Um, I gave Plex well over six months, and I'm not seeing any helpful guides for on the Roku, and so I'm just like, you know what, I'm going to try something different. I, I really am, and my family is yelling at me because it's hard to navigate what's on. It's hard to navigate uh, recorded items, just a laundry list of little things my hard drive is filling up because when you hit stop, you stop playing a show like you're done, you finished it, it doesn't come up with a delete dialogue. It just stops. <laughs> it goes back to the menu. It's like, oh crap, I just, if I hit stop, give me something to do, not 40 more clicks to try to delete this thing. So I'm, I'm being picky, I know, but um, I've tweeted about this quite a bit too, about all the uh, shortcomings that I've found with it. And I would like to see those improved, and maybe we'll go back to it, and maybe we'll throw it on a on a NAS at some point. Right now, I have it on a, a Windows Core i7 uh, processor, and you know, just just saying, watching on the Roku Four from the Plex, I would see, like you watch football and you the quarterback throws a pass downfield, you know, like a long bomb. The the football would just look horrible. It just looks like it's jaggedy jumping through the air. Like it was, it was just. It's not a good experience. It really hasn't been. And I hope the recast is going to be better. So I'm going to run them. I have it mounted. I have it ready to go. But it says, turn on the Fire TV first. Get it running, and then plug in your recast. So I'm kind of waiting. I'm following the rules. I have everything mounted, and I need to do that first thing first. So that will hopefully replace the Roku 4, which gets hot enough to melt things, uh, the Harmony remote, and maybe I can, uh, if this all works out, I can just liquidate this stuff and kind of put it back into the uh, into the pot and maybe buy some more sticks. So as I was alluding to, I'm going to run these simultaneously. I've secretly split the antenna into a splitter and it's running into the HDHR and I have one running into the recast now. I don't have it powered up yet as per the rules. So I'm going to check the recordings and I'll do that in secret so I don't have to beta test the family. They hate when I'm like, hey, why don't you try this? You know, see if this works. So they're kind of done being my uh, beta test group. They just want something that works. So God help us if we have to go back to Media Center. So that was a big purchase. That was on sale, uh, really good sales at Amazon. I hope you picked up something you wanted. What else? I have been shopping for a used iPad. I want an iPad that I can game on and do different things on, maybe a little surfing here and there. And I don't want an oldie moldy iPad that's just going to slow me down. So I did find there were some good deals on uh, at Walmart and at a local chain here called Meyer. Let's see, what was it? Two twenty nine for the iPad Pro. 
So that's the latest one, and it works on uh, with the pencil and things like that. So it's pretty up to date. Picked up one of those. So I'm going to have an iPad, and so I have a secondary device as an iPhone 6 Plus. I kind of use that as my tablet, and I believe I will be selling that, and I will be using this iPad. It's the 9.7 inch, and I don't need the fancy stuff. I don't need the $1,000 one with Face ID. I'm just fine with something not too old, but not too new, you know? I think I'll enjoy that. We'll we'll try it out for a while. If I don't like it, we'll just we'll just sell it. No big deal. I I didn't buy anything else from Amazon, but I did pick up once again the Pixel 3 XL. Now I know you're just you're flabbergasted now because this is I mean we're getting up to, you know, thousands of dollars worth of stuff here, but I had bought the Pixel 3 XL when it first released. And it had a couple of issues. It had some speaker issues for sure. And it was also shutting off. I'm like, nope, I can't do it. It's got to be perfect. I mean, this phone already was a little bit iffy to me because I had the Pixel 2 and I was happy with it. It was just I wanted to be, have a bigger phone and I wanted a longer battery. But I wasn't willing to pay that amount of price for it. And I also bought the stand, the wireless charging stand. It was $79. And I returned it as well. And I was a little, I was upset that it didn't work out. But I started looking around like, well, what, should I buy a new phone or should I just wait? It's like, I'd really like to have a new phone to go to CES because I'd, I'd really like the new battery life. And so, but I was, I was willing to suck it up until Google started announcing their Black Friday deals. And they announced several. They had one where it was the buy one, get one. And they had another one that was buy one, get uh, Google, whatever their hub is, and a $50 gift card. And then they were real hush-hush to Pixel or to Google Fi users because we were like, you know, hey, what about something for us? Because all of these were in the Google store. All of those were in the Google store. They had another one that was uh, Pixel 3 get $200 off. $200 off. I almost did that, except it was at the Google store, not the Fi store. You think that would be the same thing, but it's not. Through Fi, I'm already pre-approved to finance at 0%. All I have to do is click the button, bam, done. They'll send me a phone. At Google, you got to reapply. And I thought, you know what? I'm just not going to do that. I've heard that they're going to do something for Project Fi uh, users, and I'm going to wait for that deal. Well, it came. And it was $200 off the price and a $200 credit to your bill. So I was like, that's the deal for me. Pulled the trigger back into the Pixel 3 XL. And I bought the stand on sale for, I think, 30 something dollars at Best Buy. So super happy. It's amazing that when you feel like you've overpaid for something and it's not performing like you wanted it to where you just feel bad about the device it did it did not bring me that joy that a new phone should you know you know that new phone joy you get right this time around different the phone works great the speakers sound great it doesn't randomly shut off and uh, the camera is just phenomenal so back into that i'm keeping it unless it's 
unless it burns up like a you know a Samsung Note in the next week, I'm keeping this thing. So that's kind of my Black Friday buys. Again, I love to hear from people uh, if you bought anything, if the CFO approved anything for your household, uh, you know, a new green egg, you know, whatever, something cool, a brand new car, uh, some Under Armour gear. I don't care. Just share it. <laughs> Go out to reset forums and, uh, and and let's share our loot. It's always a good time to do that. And even if it got socks, I did get socks, but I wasn't going to do that on the podcast. You know, one thing I have been doing is I've had trouble with my Eero setup. Eero does some funky things, man. Eero has a single hub that it considers the gateway. And I think when the stuff hits the fan, that gateway, packets get routed weirdly to that gateway. And I, it's just odd how that works. If you look up in the Eero software, you look up some hardwired gear, it'll tell you what its gateway is, right? Who it talks to. And it could be three hops away. It's not, it doesn't do like what you think it should. It's not the one nearest to it. And it's not the one by the router. It's it's real weird. I don't know if Eero and I have been getting along. I have seven access points activated with Eero. And we we also have uh, iOS issues. I have to constantly uh, tell my children, like, I can't get on. I'm like, it's because you're, you just moved from downstairs. You moved from your bedroom, which is on the upper floor, all the way down to the basement, which is at the bottom floor. And your iPad is still holding on to the access point that's up near your room. So you don't have access. I tell them, go stand in front of the nearest white little box, the era. Turn your Wi-Fi off and then turn it on. And then they're like, okay, Dad, it works. I really got to teach these children about Wi-Fi. They think it grows on trees, by the way. Um, so the reason I'm telling you this is I've had this constant battle with Eero, right? I'm telling you this because I bought the Synology M, it's the MR2200AC. Now, that's not one of the first two routers that they uh, released. It was the RT1900 and then the RT, I believe, 2200 or something like that. I need to really get my um, nomenclature figured out. But what it is, this is a companion router. It will work by itself as a nice little router for an apartment or you know, a small space. And it has a WAN port and a LAN port. It has a USB port, power switch. And I think it has a WPS switch and um, power. It would work fine by itself, but its superpowers are in its ability to mesh with the 2200, with the big dog that I already own. So that's pretty cool. I was thinking um, this wasn't going to be as good as I wanted it to be, but I thought I'm going to give it a chance. So what I've done is I started digging into it and the main router needed a software update. And I started looking up, I always look up the uh, known bugs of the software update to make sure that I'm, you know, making a smart decision. You just don't want to apply it right in the middle of the day. If, you know, the the wife is working on something um, important, 
what happens if I kill it, right? So I studied this software and it had a bug in it that was, I didn't like. I just really didn't like it at all. And I kept waiting. I, I was reading forums. I was reading Synology stuff. And I kept waiting for them to release like a dot one or something. Well, they did release a dot one, but it wasn't showing up as my upgrade. My upgrade path was to the first one, the dot zero. So I was real leery about upgrading it. And this is the the mother load of the software. It has everything in it. It's got the family profiles. It's got the safety for, uh, you know, you can put MAC addresses in for your kids. Ad blocker. All of this really cool stuff is in this release. And I, I wanted it, but I didn't want to do anything, you know, that was going to have it have downtime. So I had to wait. Well, it never came uh, an update. It said there was an update out there in their nomenclature, but you couldn't find it. Like I couldn't do FTP to their server and pull it down and do a manual update. So I I know I've just taken you through the weeds. So in order to run the mesh system, I had to do that update. So I sucked it up. I said, all right, I'm going to do it. And then I'm just going to leave, right? I'm going to go to the store. I'm not even going to know if it worked or not. Um, Got back, it was all online. I looked at uh, all the logs in everything that I had around the house, and it looked like it was off, you know, maybe 30 minutes. So it did have to do its update, its reboot, and it took a time. It, it took its sweet time getting an IP address from my ISP, an IP address from my ISP. So that's what took the long time, but it finally worked, and it's really cool. It's got some really neat software features, and I've started a post out in the Reset Forums, resetforums.com, and I have the mesh router running. So it looks good, and I've got a couple of devices. It's kind of a beta test. I've got the Eero running, and I've got the Synology running. Now, I know there are button heads all over the place. There's probably tons of collisions. There's a lot of noise in my house, but I needed to run it side by side before I rename, like before I turn off the Eros and then rename the SSID on the Synology to my, you know, my home SSID. So all my cameras jump on and, you know, it's going to be a mess. So I want to make sure everything works, but so far it looks phenomenal. I mean, it really does. And I've got this the main router that I've turned the Wi-Fi on, I, I had it turned off, but it's down in the basement, surrounded by metal. And then I have the little mesh router on the first floor, the main floor. And I literally think I could go with another $139 mesh router and put it on the top floor, the floor with the office and the bedrooms, and I could cover everything. I mean... The RT2200, I got to get my nomenclature right, guys, sorry. The the latest and greatest, the brand new um, router that Synology has released is actually phenomenal. It's a 2600, so forget everything I've said. It's RT2600 AC. It is a phenomenal wireless access point. It has a lot of reach, and you add this little mesh box to it, and Everything has really worked really well. So the goal is turn off the Eros, run on the Synology, and possible sell the Eros. B 
be done with it, right? Maybe come back another day if I have to. And then if that doesn't work, we'll go ubiquity. I know you guys have been harping on me to do that, and we may do that in the future, but I really love my Synology boxes. I know you guys know that. And this is um, this is paid. I bought this. They didn't they didn't send this to me. Everything I've bought from or I've had from Synology in the past couple of years, honestly, I've purchased on my own. So that just tells you that my confidence level in their gear, it's really good. And there's some guys out in the forums that will uh, back that up. It is good gear. You know, I just thought of something. I did buy one more thing. Um, again, from Google, I bought the Titan Security Key Bundle. Now, this is a... It's like a YubiKey for two-factor authentication, but it also comes with another device that is USB-C and Bluetooth that you can use it with your phone and your laptop, Chromebook, whatever. So it comes with both of those, and it's 50 bucks from Google. On Black Friday, it was 40 bucks. Now, it's not a huge savings, but I I was going to pay... $50 $50 anyway, right? So it was on sale. I thought I'm going to buy this anyway. Now, it it has not arrived. Um, I think it's not supposed to be here for another like 10 days. So I, I need to um, use that a little bit and I'll let you know uh, about it. I own a couple of YubiKeys. I have no idea where they're at. I have never used them. I've always thought that it would be way too intrusive, but I'm starting to get spooked by the sim jacking stuff and all that kind of stuff going on. I'm pretty confident in Google Fi that they're not going to change my phone around and let my, you know, my sim get uh, attacked. But I think it's it's good to just be sure and to add a little bit extra authentication and not have what I'm going to do is my first step will be to remove all of the authentication methods that text you the code. Like I'm on it for Twitter right now, so I probably shouldn't be saying that, but Twitter, and there's a couple of more that, you know, you sign in, it it texts you a code. And that's what you want to be aware of if, and that's what the bad people want you to do. So they simjack you, they turn your phone on, which is in their hands, because they now own your phone number, and then they try to log in or change a password and do nefarious things like that because it's going to text them all of those codes. I'll let you know. If you want to look at it, go to store.google.com. It's in accessories and it's actually, it's weird. It's in accessories, but it's Google-made accessories. It's called Made by Google. And you click that and it'll be in there. So they they sell a lot of stuff now. I mean, phones and cases and headphones and all that kind of crap. So I forgot about that. Now, speaking of Google Fi, I'm calling it Google Fi now because they officially changed their name from Project Fi to Google Fi, which is a big deal. It's coming out of beta. It's it's not going to get canceled. It's not going to be thrown out with the uh, baby with the bathwater kind of thing like Google and Microsoft do with a lot of products. This is for real. If you don't know what it is, it's basically a cell phone service that 
Google owns and you switch between T-Mobile, Sprint, and U.S. Cellular, whatever carrier is the strongest signal at the spot that you are at at that moment, it lets you talk on. It also does uh, Wi-Fi calling, Wi-Fi texts, and it's really good about that. It will see a, um, like if you go to Starbucks or to a car dealer or something, it will jump on their private Wi-Fi, or not their private, but their open Wi-Fi, and it will create a VPN back to Google for that traffic. So you're not, you're using Wi-Fi, you're not using your mobile data, and it's also secure at the same time, which is a really cool thing. It's $20 for the line and $10 per gigabyte. If you are, if you are, if you use little data, you like one gig and under, it's perfect for you. It's going to be so cheap. If you're, you know, a huge data hog, maybe this is not the plan for you. But I was in between. I never streamed YouTube or did anything like that. I did podcasts. I did streaming podcasts. I never downloaded. If you change your lifestyle just a little bit and try to manage your data usage, this can be a very lucrative plan for you. You can be, you can go from fifty-five, sixty-dollar, eighty-dollar plans down to you know forty bucks maybe and have it really, really work out for you. Also works overseas, tons of countries. You just uh, step off of the airplane, turn your phone on, it'll say, you know, welcome to Germany, and your data works, your phone works. So it's really neat to have that service. It is now Google Fi, but they have also opened up the service to almost any phone so let me look here. Project Fi. I'm, I still search it by Project Fi. But it's fi.google.com. And when I say almost any phone, you can go to fi.google.com and look to see if the phone that you own right now will work with them. Just basically. And it will tell you. I put a post in the reset forms. It will tell you what will work, what exactly is not going to work like it would if you had a Fi phone. So these uh, Pixel phones are kind of special in the fact that they can hop between carriers. So that, you know, that's a kind of a monumental thing. Think about someone trying to hop from Verizon to AT&T on the same phone and the same SIM. You know, it's not an easy thing, and that's something that they've been mastering over the last three years since I've been on it. So it does work. It works very well. And you can take your your iPhone 6. I have an iPhone 6 Plus that I use on the network. It just stays on T-Mobile all the time. And that's basically what's going to happen. If you want to bring a non-Fi phone, it's just going to stay on uh, T-Mobile. So if you have good T-Mobile, you're going to have a good experience. You know, Speaking of that iPhone 6 Plus, I use it as my tablet phone or my tablet, and normally you you would have a tablet, it would be Wi-Fi only, but since it's a phone, it has a SIM card, I requested a data SIM from Fi. They send it to you for free. They'll FedEx it two days for free. You don't have to pay a setup fee or a convenience fee, and you also don't have to pay a line charge for that SIM. All you do is pay for the data that that SIM uses. It's on your account. You don't have to pay $10 line fee a month 
just to use your own data. I, I find that just phenomenal. I have two of these sims, two of these data sims on my plan. If you've listened to this podcast before, this you're no stranger to this um, scenario, but we also have an iPhone 6 in the family, and we kind of dubbed it the kid's phone. And I've I cleared off the phone, and I put Google Hangouts on it, put the SIM card in there. It's got mobile data, but not a phone number. But with Google Hangouts, you can log in to Hangouts and do make phone calls. I have an icon on my phone that is tied directly to that account on that iPhone 6. So the boys say, hey, I want to go over to a friend's house. Uh, they jump on their bike. They take the iPhone 6. I can text them. They can text me. I can call them. We can video chat back and forth. It is the coolest thing ever. And all it uses is data. It does not use any, it does not require any fees in which uh, to do that. Just just the data that it uses. Now, I do tell them, hey, you can't get your to your buddy's house and start watching YouTube videos on my phone. You're going to kill my plan. So that's a no-no. So Too Long Didn't Read. Fi changes its name from Project Fi to Google Fi. They now accept pretty much any phone if you accept some of the limitations, even iPhones. And if you sign up today using my link, my referral link, you'll get 20 bucks off of your first bill. If you, st- I think if you stay a month, I think you just have to be on the network for 30 days. And it's a cool thing because you can just pause. If you try it and you're like, eh, not for me. You can pause the service, or you can uh, you can just cancel the service. It's no big deal. They don't care. You can also, this is a cool thing that I'm going to do when I leave the service, and I've already planned my departure. I have. I'll be honest with you. I uh, T-Mobile has a military plan that is pretty cool. It's $55 for the first line. I think it's 25 for the second line, and then line's three through six are $10. Those are the line fees. And that all shares uh, unlimited data, you know, I think up to 50 gig or something. Well, there's lots of little things in there that, you know, the free Netflix account and stuff like that. So yes, I'm planning to leave. I'll probably uh, pay off my Pixel 3 XL, jam over to T-Mobile on the military plan, but I'm going to stay on it for now. Um, because I've got credits coming, right? I bought the I bought the Fi phone, and uh, I've got two hundred dollars worth of credits coming. So there's no sense to jump now. My family's phones are also still under, uh, still being paid off. So I've got some time. But the cool thing I could do, I could jump over now, and what I would do is pause my Fi service and move my Fi phone number to Google Voice. Go to T-Mobile. Get a brand new SIM with a new line and then throw that SIM in my phone, right? That phone line would work, but also install Project, or I mean, uh, Google Voice. And I could take phone calls and texts uh, to that phone via my, my old phone number. I don't have to port anything at that, at that point. I mean, you, you always can. If you say, okay, I'm good with T-Mobile, I'm going to keep them. Um, this is working out well. You do, uh, you port your number over from Google Voice to T-Mobile. Done. So you don't have that extra little phone number and you can actually use um, the phone as it was intended. But if you don't, you can just test it out and use Google Voice. A lot of people do this uh, 
nonstop. That way, they all they have to do is load Google Voice app, sign in, and whatever you're signed in on, that's your phone. Boom, done. Texts, voice, voicemail. That's pretty cool. That is really cool. So looking forward to that. And uh, the Fi phone is really cool. It's got that cool feature where you can have Google answer the uh, the phone when it rings. If you don't recognize it, you say uh, screen it, and Google will answer the phone. Hi, this is the user you called is using a Google screening service. If you are not a robot, you know you can call, you can talk to him, and uh, you watch on your screen the text rolling by all at the, all while it's happening. It's really cool. Just don't do it to your wife. They really, really don't like that. <laughs> they really don't. We've gone 44 minutes into this podcast. I don't think we've talked about a thing. No, we have. We, we took my story, my computer story, a little Black Friday, a little bit of Eero versus Synology, which I'm super excited about. I'm super excited about my Amazon recast. But right now, I really need to go outside and rake some leaves. So that's it. This is Reset 54. Thanks for listening. Share this thing around. I'll see you out in the Reset forums. This has been Reset. It can be found at reset.fm or over on YouTube at youtube.com slash David McCabe. Follow on Twitter at McCabe.io and you can discuss this episode and more on Reset Forums. Resetforums.com Intro and outro music is by Darylene. Find it at soundcloud.com Music. That's D-E-R-L-E-E music. Support of this podcast can be done at Patreon, patreon.com slash David McCabe. There's also some shopping links at resetforums.com if you want to use those. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Thank you for your support, and I'll see you next week on Reset.